0: They say it never rains, but it pours, and it's certainly pouring outside at the moment. And it's been raining stories on your computer, Sue Williams.
1: It sure has.
0: So we've got a lot to get through today. We've got a story about a woman who's going to lose a deposit on her apartment because somebody certified it who wasn't entitled to certify it. We've got a story about a developer building apartments with no gas for cooking and stuff like that. We've got a story about developers wanting to develop, what do you call them? New
1: generation boarding houses.
0: New generation boarding houses. And the couple who have bought the apartment block next door so that it doesn't get renovated and disturb their peace and quiet. (laughs) Only we had... That much money. Mm. All right. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review.
1: And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain.
0: And this is the flat chat wrap. Okay, Sue. Terrible story, really, about somebody who put a deposit down on a flat and discovered that the f- apartment had been certified by somebody who was not, in fact, a certifier.
1: Yeah, I think he was an unlicensed tradesman, wasn't he? Was it a bricklayer or something like that? Who who no no longer had a license.
0: So he just signed off on this certification. And so that meant that the council gave them a certificate of occupancy. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Even though they um, discovered there were considerable non-compliances in the building. So there were big faults in the building. But poor Marianne has no um, option, really, but to carry on with her purchase. Because otherwise she's going to lose her deposit.
0: But this, I mean, what's the point, really, of having certification if... Anybody can come along and certify, and there's no comeback. And the council just goes, oh, yeah, it's certified. And then you say, well, this certifier shouldn't have certified it. And the council say, yeah, there's all these compliance issues, but we're going to allow it to go through. Where is the consumer protection?
1: Yep, it's a ridiculous system. Private certification always has been. Yeah. Because what? it was just really a poorly thought out idea. You know, getting developers to certify their own work with third parties that they pay. I mean, it's
0: crazy. Well, it's crazy because there's no comeback. There's nothing there that says, oh, by the way, if you muck around with this, we are going to take you to jail, mm. which is where they should be.
1: Yeah. Because you look at this poor young woman, She's um, the apartment that she was buying in Kellyville in the northwest of Sydney yeah. um, was 625 thousand dollars. Right. And she paid 10% of that. Right. And now that's a huge chunk of money. $62,000. Well done. Um, To lose if she decides not to go ahead with it. But, you know, what choice does she have? What would you advise her to do, Jimmy?
0: Well, I don't know, because I would have hoped that somewhere along the line, fair trading would step in and say, hang on, this is corrupt and wrong. And this woman has been defrauded of this money. Um, But we know that fair trading isn't going to do that.
1: Well, yeah, I think they earlier told her that the matter wasn't within their jurisdiction.
0: Well, if that's not in their jurisdiction, A, what is in their jurisdiction? Mm. And B, whose jurisdiction is it in? Is it a police matter? Mm. Now, the police will say, no, 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 it's, it's a fair trading thing. They'll go along to the Attorney General's office, who... They look after uh, ncat, and They'll say no, no, no. It's fair trading, and they go to fair trading. They say no, no, no. It's not. It's not us. I mean, really, this has been going on for years and years and years. And our politicians just okay. They've got David Chandler running around shouting at people now to fix the next generation. But this uh, this poor woman has been caught in the middle now, where she is having to buy an apartment that she knows is faulty Mm. and nobody is protecting her.
1: Mm. It's a terrible situation. I mean, you know, there's nothing really she can do. Both options are horrible.
0: Now, is there something in the story that says the uh, developer said nobody else has complained or some nonsense like that?
1: Um, Well, it's a a China-based developer. Right. They've kind of been working with the local builder, Right, but the developer isn't budging really. When she, you know, she asked for her money back, they said no. They said, um, "Well, the certifier issued an occupation certificate, so therefore, you know, there's nothing to worry about, really."
0: So here's what I think should happen: the person who wrote, who signed off the certification, must have known that they were not entitled to do that. Mm. They should be arrested and charged yeah. with fraud. Yeah. Then the council people who knew that the building was non-compliant, who then issued the certificate of occupancy, they should be sacked. They should just be kicked out of their job immediately because they're incompetent and they're costing people money. The developer should be struck off, never allowed to develop another building. Them or anybody connected with them should never be allowed to to develop another building in New South Wales or Australia ever again. And I think somebody should go to jail for this, Mm. just to teach everybody a lesson. But we all know that none of those things are going to happen because our governments are addicted to developer money. Mm. They're wedded to this idea that if they do anything at all to interfere with development of apartments, then the whole economic system of the state will collapse, which we know it won't. So we, the consumers, are the ones who end up having to pay. And in extreme cases, somebody loses their entire life savings.
1: Yeah. I mean, one hopes the nexus has been broken for the future. But, you know, we've still got so many people trapped in the old system in the past,
0: You've got buildings that are just coming on stream now that, you know, were built under the old conditions where anybody could just create a company for $2, call themselves a developer. Hire tradies, make it as cheap as possible to build the thing, and then walk away as soon as the problems arose. Now, those Mm -hmm. buildings are coming on stream now, and the changes that are being made now are not, we're not going to see the effects of that for at least another year or two years when the improved standards have actually been imposed.
1: And also for the other states, I mean, they don't have building commissioners, and they're going to have similar problems. They're having similar problems, they're really struggling. A lot of people are now saying, well, those other states should also have this system of having a building commissioner in, and they should as well.
0: Well, they'll be watching New South Wales and seeing what happens here. But I just think it's after all this time, you know, 20 years we've been talking about this. They know that they're cheating. They know that they're deceiving people. They know that they're selling shoddy goods. They're taking people's life savings. Somebody should go to jail.
1: Mm. I I think you're right. And I think a lot of developers would agree with you as well, because they don't want to all be tarnished with the same brush. You know, there are probably, I don't know, maybe 10% of developers out there are really dodgy and they're doing bad things. Mm. But unfortunately, they're polluting the whole sea of development, really. Right. Not giving people confidence to buy apartments and uh, making the future really shaky.
0: Right. Okay. When we come back... (laughs) We're going to talk about why... Oh, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go and have a cold shower. And when I come back, we're going to talk about why a council in Sydney is saying you can build your buildings higher, provided you don't put gas in them. That's after this. So, zoo, high-rise buildings with no gas for the cookers.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, the developers are being offered a trade-off. They can build their buildings higher if they agree to, to have them all electric. Right. And at least 40% of that is solar pa- panel generated. Right. So at least 40% renewables.
0: Where is this?
1: This is in Canterbury Bankstown in the southwest of Sydney. Okay. And um, they've pinpointed two areas. One is Bankstown itself, where mm-hmm. there are lots of towers anyway. But they've said that developers can build 25-storey towers. They can build more 25-storeys because they've already got a few. And in the area of Campsy, where there are no really high buildings. I think about the highest building so far is eight storeys, but they've given them permission to build 20 storeys if they have them all powered by electricity with this 40%
0: renewables. So what is the thinking? Is it all about the environment and the carbon footprint and all the rest of it?
1: That's right. The idea is to move people away from reliance on gas and coal and concentrate much more on solar power, of which we have, apart from At the moment, we're still pouring of rain. We usually have lots and lots of solar power.
0: And if we don't have solar power, we have dams and things full of water. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, look, it seems to be... To me, it feels like the council has decided renewables, wherever that comes from, whether it's the roof of the building or the, you know, the the electricity grid, that's the future in Australia. Mm. I mean, for, for all that... You know, the National Party and the coalition, to a lesser extent, is saying, oh, we've got to keep the coal mines open. If We shouldn't be doing that anymore. And we don't need to. We should be putting money into renewables.
1: Yes, that's right. I mean... You know, coal has has served us well in the past, but coal mines are shutting down all over the world now. People are not looking at um, starting new coal mines. I think Australia is one of the few countries that's actually still investing in coal mines, really. Yeah. Um, but as you say, we're really rich in sunshine, in wind. Yeah. And then I think your hobby horse is hydrogen, isn't hydrogen. it? Really? Hydrogen. the way of the future. Absolutely,
0: as well. it's transportable energy. What's that idiot government minister? who keeps saying... There are oh. so many of them, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, well, you store it in batteries or you use the electricity to create hydrogen from water, which mm. we have plenty of that at the moment, and you turn that When the hydrogen burns, it becomes steam. Mm. And I think the most positive piece of information I've come across recently is that Rolls-Royce have built a jet engine that can work on hydrogen. Mm. That means that this horrendous future that we've been told about, you know, international travel, we'll have to give it up. If we ever get back to it because of the carbon footprint of aeroplanes, well there will be no carbon footprint.
1: Yeah. They'll be powered by Rolls-Royce engines and we'll all be driving Rolls-Royce engines.
0: And the cars. steam will be coming out rather than
1: <laughs>
0: than carbon
1: Dioxide. Dioxide. Mm. Yeah. It's, so course, it's a good. really interesting thing, isn't it? And it's interesting it started with a, a a council in the southwest of Sydney as well. So hopefully others will be looking at that and trying to emulate it.
0: It's been years decades since I cooked with electricity, apart Mm. from microwave. Mm. But I'm not sure. Some of these new induction tops, they are as responsive as gas, they say. Mm. I know that most chefs will say you've got to use gas. Is there a chef been quoted in this? Yeah,
1: Neil Perry. He's
0: oh, he's just quite famous.
1: He is. He's just converted his Rockpool restaurant auto-electricity from gas. Oh, right. So a lot of chefs now are using a lot more electricity than gas too.
0: Right, because it's cheaper.
1: Yeah. And, and he says it's just as responsive as you, as you say.
0: All right. Well, he would know. Mm. I mean, look, it's a start. You know, it'll be new buildings. It'll be a couple of new buildings. But everybody's having to start. You've got to start rethinking these things somewhere. Mm. And uh, this seems like quite a significant thing. When we come back, we are going to talk about new generation boarding houses. That's after this. (music) Sue, going to put you on the spot again. New generation boarding houses. What are they even?
1: Yes, new generation boarding houses. I mean, we all kind of think of the old boarding houses where people would go straight from prison and.
0: That's <laughs> a halfway, <laughs> it's halfway house, house. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, they were traditionally very grimy, grim, cheap places for people to live. Yeah. Um, and they would often have, it was just a room and a tiny little kitchen in the room. They'd be really, really, really small. Yeah. And uh, there might be, uh, you know, somebody at a desk downstairs. Or well, the new generation boarding houses. Are small apartments. They're just right. kind of studio, often studio apartments, or maybe they're one-bedroom apartments. And they're allowed to be built because they're much smaller than usual. Right. And the trade-off is that they have communal areas as well. So they they might have a theater room where people can sit and watch movies or right. watch TV together or something. Or a kitchen.
0: Would they have a shared kitchen?
1: Um. Well, they yes, they they could well have a commercial kitchen as well because they'd have small kitchens in their in their studios, right. but they'd have have a big. Um, kitchen and maybe a big dining room as well so they could go and and eat together if they wanted to. Right. And these were traditionally kind of designed to be um, cheaper homes for people. I mean, you, you kind of think often students might go there or young single people or couples starting out. Yeah. And so the idea was that they would be much more affordable. Right. But in fact... Um, A lot of developers started developing them because they found that they could make quite a profit from them, really, because they could build them on much smaller sites because the the rooms themselves were smaller. And uh, they could get quite a good rental yield from them as well. Well,
0: This story in the Sydney Morning Herald refers to them as being $400 a week for a 15 square metre yeah, apartment.
1: So th- I think the the controversy has arisen because they're not actually particularly affordable, but they are really popular with young people. Because right. some some people, older people as well, depending on where they live, they they might not want to cook for themselves. They might want to go out a lot. Yeah. And they might want to eat out all the time. They may want to socialise all the time and not spend very much time at home. So mm. it was kind of another housing option. I think the government felt that they were giving developers. Um, leeway to develop these places but in fact because they were the rents were so high the developers weren't really giving anything back right because they were
0: not affordable particularly
1: that's right but there was still demand for them really yeah so i i kind of feel a bit conflicted because there are new planning regulations that are being foreshadowed to come out that may force developers to build much bigger apartments so the, the new generation boarding houses will have much bigger rooms and areas. Yes. So therefore, they won't have the same appeal for developers.
0: So uh, lots
1: of developers are now putting in applications ahead of the new rules coming in for them so that they can get them in.
0: But isn't there also a provision that these new generation boarding houses have to be run by community housing organisations? That's what they're
1: talking about, yeah.
0: Right, yeah. so that forces them to be affordable. Be affordable,
1: that's right. But it's, it's funny, I mean, our niece used to live in a a new generation boarding house and she really liked it because it was um, a small space and it was, even though it was a bit more expensive, it was still cheaper than alternatives and she still had her privacy rather than sharing a house with other people. So she really loved it. And although I kind of thought it was a bit tiny and a bit... Mm. uninspiring really she really liked it so it wasn't it was a choice yeah and there are some architects who've been developing new generation boarding houses and the designs are fantastic and although the floor space is quite small it's really good usable space yeah i mean we've talked about them before with one developer um building furniture inside the
0: into the into the fabric integrated into the the apartment Yeah. yeah
1: so it didn't really take up very much room So I kind of feel in two minds about this. I don't want new planning regulations to come in and so that developers can't do these anymore because they don't find them.
0: The developers will still be able to do them if they have this. It sounds to me like what they're planning to do is say, okay, if you can get a community housing association. To run the apartment block when it's built, then you can have these uh, new generation boarding houses, but you cannot just build it and then rent it out to whoever Mm. wants it and take whatever profit you can get because they're popular and popularity leads leads to demand and demand pushes the prices up and they're no longer affordable.
1: Yeah, but then developers, if they're not allowed to hold on to them and take the rentals, they might not find them worthwhile doing anymore
0: so it sounds like it would be the community housing people who would step in and say well we we will be the developers but they'd need the money
1: yeah that's right and it's a a sector that's not very well resourced from government
0: no well that's again where we need to see some changes in attitudes and policies
1: yeah and we need a lot more housing options really right Um, and this was an option And I think it's kind of, you know, it's being squeezed out a little bit. And there may be a new option coming out with community housing associations running it. But we kind of need a myriad options out there. We need lots of people have different lives. They have different wants. They have different needs. And we need to ensure that they have a huge range of housing options. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think there's room for both models. I think there's a room for the developers to be allowed to develop these boarding houses and I think there's, there's also should be provision for community housing to, that will deliberately keep the rents low for the essential workers that we need to have in our city centres, like policemen and nurses and mm. p- police people and nurses, <laughs> police officers. Yeah, and uh, and you know, the, and teachers and people like that, you know, who especially when they're starting off, they're not making mm. an awful lot of money, and yeah. but the people who live in the expensive accommodation need these people around. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the other extreme of affordability. <laughs> That's after this. Okay, this is a funny little story, which I don't think we'll name names, but um, we're about does apart it from to... Apart from
1: Lucy Macken. Apart from Lucy Macken, this? who
0: wrote the story. <laughs> Good old Lucy. Where is this happening?
1: This is in Bondi. All right. It's uh, Australia's youngest billionaire, the founder of Afterpay. All right. Who bought a fabulous home in Bondi, North Bondi, $27 Mm. million. Mm -hmm. Ooh, he must have fantastic views. And then there was a unit block just next to him. That was sold to be redeveloped, and like we've talked about this before, lots of older blocks around Bondi and those eastern suburbs are now being sold off wholesale. Yeah, and they're being retrofitted, and they may have new penthouses being put on top. Right, they may have a basement being drilled below, so they have parking, yeah. and they turn out into be much nicer buildings than they. Well, they could just were be originally. demolished
0: and yeah. and replaced. They Completely.
1: could. And it's a shame, though, because there's so much carbon Im- embodied within the structure. Yeah. It's much better to to adapt and reuse yeah. them, really. Yeah. And I think this building was probably going to be um, adapted. And um, he and his wife weren't so happy with all this, the prospect of so much work going on next door.
0: Yeah.
1: And so they just bought the block.
0: The whole block? As you
1: would. Yes, the whole block. Wow. I wonder what they're going to do with it now.
0: don't know. Airbnb. <laughs>
1: Oh, they don't need the income do no. they really <laughs> no.
0: but it'd be a shame for it to sit empty yeah maybe they could accommodate some of these people who can't afford to stay in the high priced new generation boarding houses <laughs> we're just talking about
1: yeah absolutely it's great seeing some of these blocks redeveloped and it's fantastic when you look at how they were when they were built yeah and how they are when they reemerge, yeah like butterflies from the chrysalis really yeah. and uh Really fabulous places, and the people who own them can make some money or they can move back in, yeah. or the people who are renting them can never afford to rent the new ones anymore. They can't afford to move back in. Yeah, But um, it's nice to see old housing stock being renewed. It always gladdens my heart.
0: Well, I remember the place where we had our first investment down in Bondi, which we very quickly sold when we realised that one corner of the building was subsiding.
1: But we sold it to somebody who realized that as well. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, yeah. We they knew,
0: point out, they knew yes. yeah. But I often thought that with the the new renewal laws that came in in 2016, mm. we could have, because there was a huge area at the back, mm. and we could have gone in there, sold that to a developer or developed it ourselves and, and uh, made a really nice uh, apartment block, lots of space, lots of light, in a very popular street. But yeah.
1: uh, but it was interesting because in the backyard, do you remember there was a bomb shelter? There was. And we had a few people come and look at it and say to us that it was so soundly built, it would be really hard yeah. to knock down.
0: <laughs> well, every couple of years, somebody would buy into the building and say, oh, let's renov- let's redo the backyard and make more use of it. And we'd go, yeah, go off you go.
1: <laughs> See what you
0: can do with the bomb shelter. Yeah. And
1: but, but with that apartment building it was really interesting because we had an idea about putting balconies on on the facade and improving it but it it kind of taught you a lesson that it was really Mm. hard to get agreement from so many residents Mm. and that's that can be really really difficult for so many of these buildings
0: that's why they brought in the law the 75% you know
1: and even 75% is a big percentage really there are some people who were living in that building who'd lived there for a long time and they didn't want Anything to disturb their peace and enjoyment of the building, and they, they were happy to yeah, they live just, and die there, really. In absolutely. Some ways. So they, it's, it's very hard. But, probably um, still there. I think they
0: Slowly <laughs> sinking into the <laughs> backyard. <laughs> okay, that's um, plenty of stuff to be going on with for this week. Uh, thank you again, Sue. Thanks, Jimmy. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again.